all things land development, planning and property. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. To find out how Ian can help you, visit propertyonfire.co.uk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Property on Fire. So what do we have coming up on today's episode for you? As usual, several of you have been emailing in your questions to ian at propertyonfire.co.uk and this episode is no exception. Ralph has asked about how to find out the use class of a building and Pierre has asked about TPOs or tree preservation orders. We also had a question from Lucy asking if she can now evict a tenant who has been causing her a bit of trouble. If it's okay with you Lucy I'm going to hold your question over to next week when I will have a guest on the show who runs a letting agency and knows a bit more than I do about the subject. She can also fill us in on the current situation with regards to courts and what you can and can't do. So without further ado, let's get started. But before we do, please do like, review and subscribe to this podcast and come with me on this property journey. Before we get underway with our first question, I had a message via Twitter at Property on Fire from one of my mentees saying that she was surprised asbestos was still around in the late 90s. She always thought it was more of a 60s problem. This is relating to last week's Ian's A to Z of property, where we kicked off with asbestos. Please do listen to episode 2 if you missed that. Yes, asbestos wasn't banned until 1999, and so you need to be aware of it in many more modern properties as well. If in doubt, get an asbestos survey. But of course, if you're purchasing commercial property, that property ought to have an asbestos register. Please be careful, however, as there is no guarantee that the register is accurate or indeed up to date. Asbestos has been around for a long, long time. It was found as long ago as the Stone Age for strengthening pots and is still mined today in parts of Russia, Kazakhstan, China and Brazil, with several countries still using it in construction. I believe it's not fully banned yet in the USA and is still used the other side of the pond. So on to the first of our questions. Ralph has messaged me on Twitter at Property on Fire and asked how to find out the use class of a building. I get asked this question on a very regular basis. So thanks Ralph for raising this question as I'm sure it is a common one amongst many people. We now, from the 1st of September 2020, have six use class categories. They are Class B, Class C, Class E, Class F1, Class F2 and Sui Generis. We used to have Classes A and D as well, but they have now been moved to Class E, F1 and F2. So let's go through these each in turn. So we now have class B, which is businesses which supply people. Class C, which I think most of you will be familiar with, which is where people sleep. So your residential homes, HMOs, etc. Class E is commercial business and service. So in that we have things like shops, restaurants, cafes, offices, gyms and several more within use class E. We have use class F1 which is learning and non-residential institution so we have stuff like churches, schools etc. And then we have class F2 which is local community uses. 
So class F2 is there to protect locally used items such as local halls, outdoor sports, recreation, and indoor or outdoor swimming pools and skating rinks. And then with Sui Generous, we have everything else. So things like theatres, payday loan shops, fun fairs, fuel stations, nightclubs, laundrettes, police stations, taxi businesses, car hire locations, casinos, tattoo parlours, uh, nail bars, landfill sites, motorsports arenas, postal sorting offices. And now we have those moved from Class A, pubs, wine bars, etc. Hot food takeaways are also now sui generis, uh, as are cinemas, concert halls, bingo halls and dance halls, which all used to be in use Class D. So going back to your question, Ralph, as to how you find out the use class of a building. First of all, there is no point in phoning anybody. The local authority does not hold a list of use classes of buildings because there is no list. It doesn't exist. There used to be a rather poor app that was supposed to be able to tell you what the use class was of a particular building. It can't. No app can. They are purely a guess as to what it may or may not be. It's just that, a guess. I've heard local authorities advise people to put in a pre-app and then they will tell them what a use class is. There is no point in doing that because the local authority can't just tell you. They can't look it up. There is no list. One way might be to look at previous planning applications. What has been approved for the use of that building? Was that planning ever enacted? Was it implemented? What is its current use? If that change of use was never implemented, then that change of use hasn't altered the use class. So don't 100% rely upon previous planning applications. To have a fair idea as to what use class a building is, we need to try and find out what the last legal use of the building is or was. Finding the last legal use is important. For example, let's say we had an office and squatters had moved into those offices and set up their home. Do those offices suddenly become residential C3 units? No, of course not. And therefore, we need to be careful as to whether or not it is actually the last legal use. So, Ralph, what was your building last used for when it was open? Perhaps look at Google Street View and go back in time via the small clock in the top left-hand corner of your screen. Were there any A-boards or other signage in those Google Shots that might help? Take a note of the dates that the Google Street View went along to try and provide some evidence. You could look up the building on the Valuation Office Agency or VOA website. How does that describe the building for building rates? Maybe check on more than one year or period of time if applicable. Can you ask the neighbours to the building? Can they help? Are there any old leases or other agreements to support your case to prove what a building was used for legally? Did anybody work there? Perhaps local Facebook groups might be able to help. If it was owned by a public body, try doing a Freedom of Information or an FOI request because any public body has to respond to the public and answer questions. There are a couple of other things that you do need to be aware of, Ralph, when you are looking to find out the use class for a building. 
and that is has a building actually been abandoned the problem is there is no statutory length of time for a building to be abandoned as far as i know i think however it has to be a good few number of years so what is the state of the building really like does it have utilities were the utilities recently in use there or have they long since gone if a building is demolished the use class will cease when the building is demolished Personally, my gut feeling, if it's been abandoned for, say, 5, 10, 15 years, then I think you ought to be okay. But as I said earlier, there is no length of time, so it will be down to the local authority to actually decide as to whether a building has actually been abandoned or not. So I guess the condition of the building is a criteria here that needs to be considered. The other thing you need to be very careful on is ancillary uses. So for example, let's say we have a factory with some offices that may or may not be attached to that factory. Well, those offices may well actually be a factory as well because they are ancillary to the main use of the company, which was a factory. So you just need to be a little bit careful there. If you can prove that that section is a separate planning unit from the other part of the building, then you may well be fine. This is where a good planning consultant should be able to help you. So always seek advice. If you've been able to track down the last legal use of your building, Ralph, you can go ahead and submit your planning application as required with any evidence to prove it. Or may it be request from the local authority what is called a Certificate of Lawful Existing Use, or CLUID, to prove that the existing use you have identified is legal. I hope that answers your question, Ralph, as to how to find out the use class of a building. But essentially, the last thing that you should be doing is phoning up the local authority and asking them. Because as, as I said earlier, they do not have a list. There is no list. There is no register. So please don't go down that route. If you or anybody else would like any clarification on the use class, or a particular situation that, that you would like my help with, then please feel free to reach out via social media at Property on Fire or via email, and I'll be pleased to help any of you. On to our second question, and this is from Pierre, who has sent an email to ian at propertyonfire.co.uk, and he's asking about TPOs, or tree preservation orders. If you have a TPO on a tree, it prohibits the cutting down of it, Topping, lopping, unrooting, or willful damage or willful destruction of the tree without the local planning authority's written consent. These are normally solely on trees, so bushes, shrubs and hedges are not normally protected by TPOs. In fact, any tree could be protected regardless of age, species or size of tree. Not only do you have to check to see if a TPO has been put on a tree on any land that you might be looking to develop, but you should also check any previous planning applications as a planning condition may have been made at some point to cover that tree as well. Finally, if the tree is in a conservation area, then you will need to give notice to the local authority before you actually undertake any work on that tree. There are four types of TPOs that you may come across, Pierre. Individual, group, area, and woodland. If you need to seek permission to work on a tree that has a TPO on it, then you will need to apply 
at least eight weeks in advance to the local authority. But don't forget this also includes routine pruning, for example, of a fruit tree that might be protected. If you've got a tree within a conservation area, you must give at least six weeks notice to the local authority. This applies to all trees in a conservation area with a stem diameter of at least 75 millimeter measured at 1.5 meters above the ground. If you have a tree that is subject to a TPO and it's deemed urgent to actually deal with through a health and safety risk to others, then you can cut this time notice period down to five days. If you need to find out if your tree has a TPO on it, then the best people to ask is a local authority. Quite often there are maps on the line that will show all the trees that are protected in a certain area. As with anything, if you're in any doubt whatsoever, do consult a tree surgeon with regards to any tree. They can give you the best advice possible. But whatever you do, please do not do any work on a tree that is protected by a TPO without getting permission first. You can be fined up to £20,000 in the magistrate's court for doing the damage to the tree, but also to the landowner as well. If a tree is illegally removed or damaged, then there is a duty to actually replace that tree with another tree of the same specimen, and that new tree is automatically protected by the original order. Even if trees are not protected in conservation areas or TPOs, and they are not within your garden, orchard, churchyard, or within the inner London boroughs, or a public open space, then you are limited to a maximum of 5 cubic metres every calendar quarter to cut down. This is actually controlled by the Forestry Commission. So even if a group of trees is not protected on a piece of land, you may well be limited in what you can actually remove in any quarter. So please tread carefully. If you do wish to fell a larger number of trees on a piece of land, then I recommend getting a license from the Forestry Commission. And the guys there are very helpful and will be more than happy to help you in your task. Finally, it's worth mentioning hedgerows at this point. All hedgerows are protected by law, and if you wish to remove one in the countryside, you must apply to your local authority under the Hedgerow Regulations 1997. You are required to give your local authority at least six weeks' notice of any request to remove a hedgerow. I hope that's answered your question, Pierre, but if you have any other questions relevant to this, please do feel free to reach out on social media at Property on Fire or via email at ian at propertyonfire.co.uk. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. And now, Ian's A to Z of property. Right, we're still on A's. So today we're going to look at Asset of Community Value or an ACV. What is an ACV? Well, an ACV would give communities a right to identify a building or other land that they believe to be an importance to their community's social well-being. A very common example would be a public house, but it's not just pubs. It can also apply to open green spaces, for example, on land. Um, it may also apply to village shops, old buildings, woodlands, community halls. Even public toilets can be protected by an ACV, or parks, museums, 
cinemas, sports facilities, etc. An ACV doesn't stop an owner of the land or the building from actually selling it to whoever he likes to sell it to. However, they do give a right of first refusal to community interest group. If an owner decides to sell a piece of land or a building that has an ACV registered to it, then they must inform the local authority. And during a first six weeks period, community interest groups may make a written request to be treated as a potential buyer. If nobody comes forward during this six weeks, then the owner can actually sell the land or the building to whoever he chooses. Should a group then come forward, the owner has to wait a further six months before he can actually sell it to any other party. He is not allowed to exchange or complete on any sale, but he can continue to market it. Within this period, the local interest group then has the opportunity of raising the funds as required to try and buy the property. Whilst an ACV does not rule out planning full stop, it will be obviously considered by the local authority in any application. So one should always check to see whether a particular building is subject to an ACV and whether it is listed on the list compiled by the local authority. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. And now, Ian's rant. The rant this week comes from Dan, who says, Project managers stroke builders who cut corners and hide longer term issues just to make the numbers look good. I know where you're coming from there, Dan. Like any in- industry, there's good, there's bad, and there's a downright ugly. And builders are no exception to that, I'm afraid. I've certainly uncovered my fair share of horrors when I've been renovating houses and flats and you'll be amazed as to what can be found hidden behind boards and under floors etc. And of course when people cut corners that is when incidents occur and people have the potentials to be hurt. I would like to think that at Leading Homes we do not cut any corners but then at the end of the day We're only as good as the builders and the workmen that we can employ. And one would hope that building regs would pick up anything that we fail to spot during a construction. But I do agree, Dan, cutting corners by builders especially is very annoying. And I thank you for your rant this week. What do you think about builders and others who cut corners in construction? Have you had any direct experience of this? Feel free to reach out to me via social media, at Property on Fire. You'll find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all the other social media platforms. And if you have a rant that you would like featured on a future episode, please let me know. I'm all ears. Rant away. Coming up on the next episode, we actually had a question this week from Lucy, as I mentioned earlier, who asked about evicting a tenant who's causing a bit of trouble. If it's okay with you, Lucy, I'm going to hold your question over to next week when I will have a guest on the show who runs a letting agency and knows a bit more about the subject. She can also fill us in about the current situation with regards to letting, courts and everything else. So that's coming up on the next episode. And if I can help you in your journey, 
then do get in touch. Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. Please use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like a question answered on a future episode, email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk.